Welcome to the Cycle Podcast, where we cover topics to help improve your life. Join me as we discover and discuss ways to live life to the fullest and show up as the truest and best version of who we were meant to be. Hello and welcome back. I'm so excited to introduce my guest today. Although her accolades and achievements don't even begin to bring forth the essence of who she actually is, she does have an impressive biography that I want to share with you. So Dr. Heather Beck is a doctor of psychology, a somatic energy healer, a hypnotherapist, an author, speaker, and founder of the global peace movement, Peace Flash. She has over a million followers on social media, and her newest book, Take a Leap, guides us to cultivate a life that we truly love using creativity to align us with our unique calling. Dr. Beck has been a mentor to me and an inspiration throughout my healing journey, so I'm very excited to share this conversation with you. Welcome to the show, Dr. Beck. So we'll kind of just jump right into it. When people hear the word healing, it can kind of sometimes imply a negative connotation, kind of like something's wrong, I need to heal. How do you define healing? And what what does that mean? It's a really it's a really multi-pronged question and, and yes. it's a beautiful question. I love beautiful questions. Healing, healing in the context of say the work that I do is as the topic of this healing the heart and healing the soul. And what does that mean? Well, We're born these precious little beings with locked and loaded with our gifts, talents, and abilities. And the purpose in my, through my lens is to live a life expressing that creative essence that we are in this human form. And when we're pulled off track and not living a life that we were actually designed to be living, that creates uh, a pain, a wound in our beings because we're not aligned. And so, the process of life very often becomes the process of reconnecting to our originary self, who we were born to be, the gifts, talents, abilities, and learning how to live that. And that process is healing, healing, becoming whole. It's also um, healing is very much creativity, the expression of who we are and how we were designed to be and moving into what I would call wholeness, wholeness of being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that I feel like kind of sums it up in terms of the definition. And I, I found it very interesting too, because the first four letters of heal are the first four letters in health, which I don't know if there's any like similarity between those two words. Heal, healing would be the basis of creating health, health and well-being. And health is of the physical body. Obviously, we talk about health but it's also the psyche and the soma. So that is the psyche is our unphysical parts of ourselves, our consciousness. And the soma is that consciousness, the unseen consciousness that takes up residence in our bodies. It's we who we are animating, who we are as these human beings. When we talk about embodiment, we're talking about the consciousness and the unconscious residing within the body. It's not separate. Mind, body, spirit, psyche, soma, spirit. And so when we want to create health, we can't create health just through exercise and diet and sleep. Mm -hmm. We have to create health through our hearts, 
through our souls, through our creative expression, through our wholeness, and together that creates creates a congruency of wholeness and health. Mm -hmm. That would describe being a healthy human being to me. Yes. Yeah. So how would you describe what energy healing is and how you do that? Big questions. <laughs> Again, very big questions. Uh, you know, when I have clients come and sit with me and they've selected to have an energy healing, in most many cases, they have no idea what they're what they're moving into. And I would say um, every person who works with energy and who works with healing um, has their own unique ways of bringing in energy and working with their clients. For me, um, oh, this is a very, it's, I'm going to try to keep it simple. Um, as an energy healer, I facilitate the individual. I see into the individual. I, if, I'm, if I'm invited and welcomed, I can see in to the person I'm working with. I go and I can see where their gifts, talents, and abilities are. I can see where the gap is, where they're not being able to live that. Mm-hmm. And then I can see in the body, in the heart, in the soul, where the wounding's taken place. Mm-hmm. And then I begin to facilitate that through conversation. Mm-hmm. And the healing comes from within inside the person I'm working with. Mm-hmm. I'm facilitating their powerful capacity to heal self. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And for me, as someone who's experienced your energy healing and the techniques that you've used with me, it it's almost like you know, but you don't say. You allow the other to figure it out. And it almost feels like you create a energy field. And by that, I mean, you, you kind of you make that person feel secure and heard to be able to express themselves what needs to be expressed. And it's a very, very magical experience. And it's not like, I think if anyone's listening, they're like, oh, does, is she like read your mind? Or uh, sometimes it feels like that, <laughs> but <laughs> it's more of just like a feeling. It's more of just like a comforting, warm feeling, and then the ability to use that feeling to comfortably express yourself. You explain things beautifully. Thank you. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you for that. Thank you, truly. I am honored because um, much of what you said is the process. It is, it's an invitation for me to be able to see in, and then it's an invitation for me to allow the person I'm working with to see and feel and express and experience themselves in their beauty, mm-hmm. in their actual beauty. And as you said, it has to be a very safe environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I get to meet somebody initially, that needs to happen pretty quickly, mm-hmm. particularly if there's it's an hour time together and and uh, so that rapport needs to occur pretty quickly so by having that appointment already I'm already invited to see um 
and I can see that I do see. Um, now I'm stammering because I don't really like to talk about this. Actually, yeah. um, psychic, yes, mm-hmm. intuitive, yes, but that becomes a question of what does that actually mean. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into great depths with it. It means different things for different people. Yeah. Um, can I bring, do I bring energy through my hands? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. It actually does come through my hands and I can scan and I can work with the person physically by touch or above them. I can do that 13,000 miles away. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So it's really energy, energy fields that I'm working in. Mm-hmm. And what you said about energy fields, there is an aura. Each one of us has auric energy fields around us and I'm able to see them I see the fields around people plants trees and I see the colors and so it also guides me in these conversations as I see how the aura is responding if it's tightly banded Mm -hmm. I go slowly and as it begins to it's like a like a a beautiful rosebud Mm -hmm. that's tight and then when it begins to open and gently unfurl as if it's leaning into the sun and it has all the right ingredients. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm on the right track. <laughs> I see the beautiful colors emerging. It's remarkable. <laughs> I, I always see now it's like at the different parties, they'll have like the photo booth with like the aura pictures. <laughs> I don't know how legit that is, but they like take the picture and they have like purple and green and all these crazy color I haven't seen that there is Curlian photography that was initiated in the 1930s by a man named Curlian and it actually photographs the energy fields around people plants um, all animate life it can capture the actual electromagnetic energy fields around people and I just happen to see it in color that's so amazing yeah really cool yeah so I wanted to kind of go back to what you were first saying about the soma Mm -hmm. and different layers do you I it's kind of interesting because I never really hear you use the word soul is mm-hmm. that similar to soma where does that like fit in with this these layers that we have you're really excellent <laughs> at these questions and it just reflects how I know you uh, you know you have a really brilliant mind and your questions are, are wonderful, truly wonderful, because it's difficult to talk about soul. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a little something. Soul is our intuited sense of our own depth, our mm-hmm. deepest running purposeful energy, our longing for meaning, and our participation in something much greater than our ordinary consciousness can grasp. So it's our connection to universal consciousness Mm -hmm. it really depends on what kind of vocabulary one chooses to use Mm -hmm. some people may call this unconscious and conscious awareness the divine the universe energy source god goddess i'm not particular at this point in my life i've gone through passages with vocabulary because words are very important to me but how we know when we're really connecting to soul is when we feel full and and uh, 
successful, not not in terms of financial success, but that what we're doing feels so aligned and so generative and so in service and and just such a beautiful expression of self. And the way we'd know that we're not in connection and living with our soul essence is a life that's too constricted, mm-hmm. confining. When we perhaps feel some sense of bitterness or frustration, anger, limitation, then we're not living in alignment with soul, which would be the consciousness we came in with, the gifts we came in with. So I see it like, imagine the sun. Mm -hmm. And the sun, we know, this is a very simplified explanation, little solar flares, Mm -hmm. picture solar flares shooting off from the sun. And let's call the sun all that is, full consciousness, unconsciousness. And we're like the solar flares, each little human. Mm -hmm. We have that divine, gorgeous, essential energy within us, each in our own unique human expression. And our job here, as I see it, again, this is my perspective, my lens into understanding meaning of life, is to take that essence and express it in our own creative way into this human form. That's embodiment, that's psyche, taking up residence within the body, creating soma, expressing soul consciousness. That's a lot of words. <laughs> yeah. That's a really great definition, though. I like the the picture of like the sun and then the little flares or the little rays. And that's basically shows that we're all connected through this deeper essence of ourselves, which I really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are of that consciousness. We share it. That's our origination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. For people that are in this healing journey. And they aren't living a life where they're they're living a constricted life where their soul can't come through. Mm-hmm. Say that maybe they're in a job that is like a nine to five. They're not finding fulfillment in that job, but the job pays the bills and it supports their family or the life that they live. Mm-hmm. How what would you say to that person to reconnect and 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 kind of release those restrictions? Beautiful. So calling, what calls to us very often, whether we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and beyond, it's not uncommon to have no idea of what we love to do. Because as you said, life can become so demanding and we need to take care. And we've set ourselves in motion. So for an example, perhaps there's a young person, a a child who was born to be a guitarist and a musician. But the family, the social and cultural reason said, no, you're going to become the family CPA or the family lawyer of our business. And the music is excluded. Not allowed for it because there's no time. There's the problem. It's not about earning a living. It's about expression of passion and creative essence and soul. So, yeah, we need to pay the bills. We need to take care of our families. We need to take care of what we've set in motion and partially 
we were pathways we were directed down, perhaps by our families, our extended families, religious affiliations, school, peers, and so forth. So your question is point on, what do we do now while we're here? Well, I have a number of suggestions, actually. There's, it's uh, taking time for oneself that you don't think you have. So here's one suggestion that I, I think is very effective. I call it, I created this plan. It's called 15 minutes a day to do something that you love to do. So when we think we're way too busy and we think we don't have time and we feel way too guilty to do something that we felt like we didn't have time to do, we needed to take care of this, this, this. 15 minutes a day. And what might that look like? It could look like you get up 15 minutes earlier. It could mean during your lunch, 15 minutes you carve out and think about something that you love to do. And if you can't think of something you love to do now, think back to when you were a child. What did you love to do when you were that young little person? And imagine that and feel into that. So I'll just use an example of coloring the crayons in a coloring book. So now it would be go buy yourself a coloring book and go get yourself some Crayolas. And for 15 minutes a day, you color with crayons in a coloring book. Now this may be like, this is ridiculous. Create a little sheet, day one, color with crayons in a coloring book. How did that feel? Ridiculous, I'm stressed, I don't have time for this. You make this, you made a commitment for 30 days. What? <laughs> and then day two, from five to 5.15, I color the crayons in a coloring book. How do I feel? Stressed out. But by the end of day seven, it might look like from five, instead of five to 5.15, it could be five to 5.25. Whoops, lost track of time. I'm kind of enjoying this. I'm feeling peaceful. This is great. I'm having to lock the door so the kids don't just walk in and interrupt me. I need the private time. And so maybe at the end of the second week, it's 5 to 5.45. I want to start painting with acrylic paints. And I, maybe I want to take some lessons. And by the end of that month, you've discovered something that maybe is going to lead you. Maybe it's not about coloring or painting at all. Perhaps it's you want to write a book, perhaps it's you want to do a garden, you know, whatever you could imagine. Some people could do this with making model airplanes. It doesn't matter. It's finding this, this um, thing that impassions you by making the commitment, it tricks you, <laughs> you know, it comes in like the back way. Well, you made a commitment, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And then by doing it, an easing of the heart, a calming of the soul, a connection to Creative essence feels good. Mm -hmm. And it begins to change our inner weather system. Yeah. And we begin to live from the inside out. It's just one example. One example. There, I have many, many ways of working with it. Yeah, I really, I really like that because I think, especially when we become adults, we do everything, all adult things, right? So it feels like, I feel like that's when it can feel overwhelming. Because we don't take the moment to be silly or goofy or do something that's 
really creative and, you know, just childlike. And I think that helps us reconnect with our mm-hmm. inner self. Um, but I, I like that you recommend doing it for 30 days and journaling each day. Mm-hmm. And maybe the first week even you'll hate it, but mm-hmm. it's that continuous trying and trying because it's not like a one-time thing and you can be like, oh, I'm healed. You know, it's it's a work that it's work that you have to to invest in. So I really I like that idea. Want to try it? Yeah, I've actually been I've been doing it. Look, I have my colored pencils and you told me to go to Michael's and I went. <laughs> yeah, Love, let's water, see. Pencil, water, uh, sorry, water color pencils. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, it feels great. It's like it's fun. It's just like it's something new that I'm doing that I don't normally prioritize. So right. We don't tend to prioritize these sorts of things. Yeah. And, and I do this periodically when I start feeling stuck. I do it myself also with with different things. I suggest staying with one thing. Don't jump around. Oh, today I want to do today. I want to make a garden and today I want to color with crayons and tomorrow I want to play music. I suggest keeping some flow, mm-hmm. keeping some flow. One, this whole process may lead into some other expression, but the idea is. Well, is it feeling good? Yeah. I like, I think it's changing. It's shifting a little bit and I'm shifting things in my mind, which I think is important, mm-hmm. especially when you, I feel like there's different ruts that you, I get into personally. So having something to kind of show me a glimpse out of it is, it's very helpful. So thank you. I'm happy. <laughs> it's <so> great. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. I I find that to be a, a really effective um, process. There are other processes that include um, gentle breathing, breath work, you know, body movement, ways to um, calm the central nervous system, because mm-hmm. we we tend to live uh, a, a kind of in our culture at a droning anxiety level, mm-hmm. and not even fully aware of it. Yeah. So when we begin to change our inner climate, I like to think of it as a an ecosystem inside our bodies, you know, the neurobiological, biochemical systems where um, through simple processes, which we could go into, but it's beyond the scope of today's conversation. But if anybody's interested in why they should do simple, simple breathing every every so often throughout the day, it calms the central nervous system. It actually literally interrupts the anxiety mm-hmm. and which is the hormones, adrenaline, norepinephrine, cortisol, and it taps the frontal lobe. This is a simplistic version and end up with oxytocin and you know these uh, more calming dopamine kind of biochemicals and hormones are elicited and our heart rate slows, our breath rate slows, our blood pressure lowers, our brain and heart come into congruency. We become the boss of our own bodies, literally. Yeah. And I think, I think that's so important too, because I don't think people realize like all this constant anxiety and stress and fear. It, like you said, it affects the ecosystem within our body and it causes inflammation and it causes these health conditions, which 
I mean, I'm really into aging, you know, so I want to keep my skin looking supple. And I think these simple breathwork stuff as well, not only helps with the stress, but it can, it can help with the aging process and help us to remain youthful in our, in our bodies and our minds. Yes. And why do we want to be youthful? So that we can continue having great life experiences and not be hindered by different ailments. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to be able to continue to open and tap into our gifts, mm-hmm. our abilities, be in service to others. Exactly. Because when we, here's the thing about the idea of putting your own oxygen mask on first when you get on the plane and you hear, in the event of a sudden loss in cabin pressure, put your own oxygen mask on first and then help those around you. <laughs> we all know that. Why? If you are not healthy yourself, how can you help those around you? Correct. You can't give your fullest unless you are at your fullest. So, yeah. And when we embrace our gifts and we start living a life of wholeness in Jungian psychology, which I'm a Jungian psychologist, as individuation, it's connecting with soul, with psyche, with the gifts, talents, and abilities, who we came in with. We're connecting to our originary purpose, going through the different life transitions more gracefully, because life is not steady and smooth. We know that. And so when we have more boss of our own body command, when we're doing something to make ourselves feel inspired and connected and grateful, when we're taking care to take care of others through this way, we're living a life that's really meaningful and valuable mm-hmm. and contributing to the world as a whole because we need to take care of this world. To me, ultimately, it's not about the individual. It's about the individual each doing this, taking it out into the world, sharing it with others, and also tending the soul of this earth and all its creatures because this is home. Mm-hmm. Home is in our souls and our beings, but our physical home, the wild of nature is within us, and the wild within us is part of nature. Mm-hmm. When we recognize that that's a liberating experience. That's not a limiting belief, is it? Mm-hmm. That's understanding we're far bigger and far more capable and far more expansive consciousness than living a daily, day in, day out, get up, hit the alarm get the coffee on the road. There's so much more. Well, that can be a far more amplified and beautiful experience when we do it consciously. Mm -hmm. Very different. I think you just answered my next question, which was (laughs) why is it important to heal? (laughs) (laughs) I, I really, I love what you said. And I think it's so important to to know that we're a part of something bigger. But I I think for people, like from my personal experience, when I'm feeling like in this, like I call it like a muddy era, like an era where I don't feel a hundred percent myself, I like the last thing I'm thinking of, which is kind of, it sounds selfish. And like, I I can't believe I'm saying this, like the last thing I'm worried about are others. Like the most important thing myself, because I'm like, oh my God, I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not doing this right, or I need to fix this. And I'm so like in, like, I can't even think about the other because I'm, I'm so, I feel so disconnected myself. Mm -hmm. 
that I, and, and I think that goes back to like the putting your mask on first thing. Cause I'm not, I don't have a mask on. So I'm like, I can't even breathe myself. So to help others. So how, how does one open their mind to a more expansive view when, when going through like that part of their healing journey where they're realizing like, I'm, wow, I'm just, I'm just now trying to breathe and it's difficult. Look into a baby's eyes. That's a surprise response from me. Look into <laughs> a puppy or a kitten's little face. Yeah. Look into a redwood forest. Imagine walking through the hush of that. Mm-hmm. Feel the magnificence and power of mountains and oceans. Of seeing birds nesting in the early spring. Imagine listening to exquisite musicians and seeing beautiful art and people in love, friendships, people listening and honoring one another and looking into one another, people assisting one another. Just observe when we begin to notice, to watch for the small things in life. That's what carries the greatest significance. Mm -hmm. And so when we take the breath that we need to take and we slow it all down, and calm ourselves, we actually are expanding our possibility, our energy fields. Mm-hmm. To notice, it's noticia, mm-hmm. noticing what actually matters yeah. here in this world. And yeah. the magnificence and the beauty, when we slow it down, is stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I don't think I need to drive 80 to get to work today. <laughs> yeah I, I I really like that I I you know I think like seven or eight years ago I, I heard this quote when I was kind of in this low like this low place from you know Tony Robbins mm-hmm. speaker he had this quote which at first like I hated because I was like he doesn't even know what he's talking about and then I I ended up just like resonating with it so much it was I know I know I'm going to butcher this, but it was basically like when you feel down or you're in like a rut, it's because you are being selfish. And it's kind of it kind of goes to what you said because it's it's no once when you're in that feeling where you feel not connected mm-hmm. and you can't be be there for others. It's stepping outside of your constant internal worry and looking outside, like looking at people in love, looking at other people that are going through stuff and connecting with them and not being so self selfish. I think I, I know I'm not saying that as no, as, no, you're not. You're saying it really well. I, I think about the selfish piece is that the disconnection is so painful. Mm-hmm. To feel disconnected from soul is extremely painful. Yeah. And that's depression. That's disconnection. That's a sense of soullessness. And why? Mm -hmm. So the only reason sometimes from the inside out, if we can look outside ourselves, we can get a glimmer of it somewhere else when we can't find it and experience it in our own bodies and beings. Mm -hmm. Here's something really quick. 
I firewalked. I never wanted to firewalk ever. I was with you, maybe you know Don Miguel Ruiz and his family. And there were the coals were ready, and I'm like, I'm not firewalking. Well, forget it. it was the full moon down in the back bay, Newport Beach. Went down the beach, and the drumming and the chanting started. And we were all circling this fire. And I'm like, I am not interested. I like the chanting and the drumming. I'm all good. Okay. And then the energy built. And then it got stronger and more powerful. And the next thing I saw was me tearing off my Ugg boots, flying them into the air. (laughs) And I was walking the fire. And here's three things I learned about walking a fire. One is, once you start walking... You have to keep going at a steady pace and go to the other side. Once you start, you've made the commitment. Because at the moment of commitment, the entire universe conspires to assist you, Johan van Gotha. And so as you walk, what would happen if I started to run to get to the other side faster? What would happen to my feet? Pushing off hard against hot coals to run and get burned. What if I walked halfway and said, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And I decided to spin around and pivot and walk back. Same thing. And what would happen if I slowed it way down? You have to walk steadily on your path. Step by intentional, conscientious, conscious, connected step. Connecting to the earth, in this case, to the energy I was experiencing walking on 1200 degree coals and I got to the other side and I did it two more times. <laughs> and did I get fire kisses? Absolutely. Because we don't, we don't go through life unscathed, mm-hmm. but if I did it correctly and I listened and I attuned and I aligned, I just got fire kisses. I didn't have my feet blistered and burned. Because I did it how I was instructed. I listened with intention. I committed. I felt the yes click inside of me. And that's key. Is it a yes inside of you? Or is it a no? And if it's a no, don't do it. Yeah. If it's a yes, a yes you trust and know is true. Your own yes. Blessings. That's a really beautiful story. That's a great way to wrap up because we're coming to an end. (laughs) We have just about two minutes, Uh, (laughs) but that was great. I think there's so much that I could talk to you about and we only had a short window of time, but you personally have helped me so much and I'm so grateful that we've connected in this lifetime. (laughs) There's so much similarity and so much that I'm learning from you. So forever grateful for that. It's my, I've told this to you many times, Catherine, it's truly my honor. I am very blessed to know you. You too, Dr. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you want to learn more and be connected in this community of finding inner balance, please find me on Instagram. I am under 
the name The Cycle Podcast. That's T-H-E-C-Y-C-L-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Thank you.